Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Man, I love this church. I love the people of this church. Uh, I love the camaraderie. Um, one of the things that I absolutely love about Foundations Church is that almost each and every week, we see people responding in faith to what God is doing in their heart. Right at the end of service, we see people say, man, I need Jesus. Um, I'm submitting my life to him. I'm following him. And it's really a miracle because only God is the one that can break the sinner's heart and make them alive in Christ. And it's something that we should never get tired of seeing. Uh, we should celebrate when, when people respond in faith and they, and they commit their life to Christ. And, and for most of us in here, um, we, we can probably identify that day one. Whether it was last week or last month or maybe it was 30 years ago, you remember exactly where you were um, when you responded in faith to what God was doing in your heart. Now for me, I grew up in church my whole life and it's hard for me to like pinpoint in exact moments. I can pinpoint like highlights of these moments in my life but there's always kind of been this continual following of Jesus. It's like, man, I just wanna to continue to follow Jesus. Sometimes I do better than others. Sometimes I'm more obedient. You know, I think we all can relate to that. We have peaks and valleys in our relationship, but there's this continued upward trajectory. Um, but whether you grew up in church, whether you committed your life last week, or maybe your, your Christian birthday was, was 30 years ago, whatever it may be, um, we all have next steps that we need to take. Now, for some of us, it's easy to identify. If you're a new believer, man, get baptized. Start serving. Read the Bible, right? Go to our new believers class. Like, we can identify these different um, next steps for you. But for some of us, it's like, man, I've been doing this for a while. I'm already serving, right? I'm already involved in community. I've already done. I've already been baptized. I've already done A, B, and C, right? And, and we can get, if we're not careful, we can get complacent. But today, I just want to talk to you, nothing groundbreaking, nothing um, really uh, new for all of us, but it's foundational. And I think we can get in trouble if we get away from the foundations, not playing, no, no pun intended with the church name there, but, um, but if we get away from the foundational principles of what it means to follow Christ is where we get into trouble. We're gonna be in Colossians chapter two, a few verses there. It's gonna be our main text for the day. The book of Colossians was written by the apostle Paul around 60 AD, maybe 61 AD. He was in prison during this time as he wrote this book um, to the believers, uh, the church in, in Colossae, which is modern day Turkey. Um, and he's writing this book uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in verse six, he starts out and he says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning thanking you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive, open up our ears to hear what you would have for us today. God, that we walk away changed as we encounter your word. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So Christmas was six days ago, I believe. Um, it's that weird week where no one really knows what day it is, but I think it was six days ago. And my wife and I have gotten to this point in our relationship where we just, we've just said, hey, we're gonna get each other stocking stuff, right? Just little stuff, just put in a stocking. But what inevitably happens 
is like, we'll get a, a gift for one another. So there's the stocking stuff. And then it's like, oh, I got you this gift. And she's like, you weren't supposed to get me anything. Here's your gift. I'm like, you weren't supposed to give me anything. And it's like this, ha ha ha, right? Hallmark movie. And, but it's anyway, um, basically we're liars, right? Is what we are. We're not gonna get you, then we get each other gifts. So for the past, I don't know how many years, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm gonna let you peek behind the Ballard household curtain here for a second. Uh, we're a household of nerds. Um, we've kind of accepted it. Um, I kind of pushed off that title for a while, but we just embrace it. My wife's a nerd. Um, she's good. I'm a nerd. It's like, it's, it's all good. And so for the past probably four or five years, you know, she's for her birthday or Christmas, she's wanted kind of a recurring theme. Um, have you guys heard the saying that as you get older, you don't stop wanting toys. They just get more expensive. Right? Well, she still wants toys, but just the expensive toys. And so um, a few years ago, uh, she wanted the Seinfeld Lego set, um, like the 90s sitcom Lego set. Uh, I think it's like 2,000 pieces that she put together. Um, this year, she wanted the Bowser from Super Mario Brothers, right? King of the Koopas, Bowser Lego set, which is like 2,400 pieces. Um, but a few years ago, she wanted like the Holy Grail of nerdery and she wanted the Star Wars Millennium Falcon Lego set. Um, it's like 7,500 pieces. This is a 494 page uh, instruction manual on how to put them together. Like, you think I'm joking? Like, there it is. This is what she wanted. This is my wife, okay? I love her to death. She won't let me help because I don't put the pieces together properly. Um, so when she got this gift, she opened it, super excited. Now what she didn't do was she didn't tear open the box, drop the manual and just start winging it. I'll figure it out. There's 7,500 pieces, good luck. She didn't open the gift, get super excited and set it on the shelf. What she did was she opened the box, she was super excited, and then she proceeded to open up the manual and follow the instructions. Because if she wanted what was on the box, if she wanted it to look like it was supposed to look, she had to follow the instructions. And for a lot of us in here, again, it's nothing new, it's nothing groundbreaking, but we all have a next step. And as Christ followers, our goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ. We don't do that by winging it. We don't do it by just figuring it out. We also don't do it by just praying a prayer and then being like, I'm good to go. No, there is a process that happens that no matter where you are, whether it was last week or last century where you accepted Christ, that we all have next steps and it's to continue to follow and walk in Christ. And that is found in the word of God. Paul tells us here in Colossians, he kind of lays out the what, the how, and the why. And he starts out by, by telling us all, just as you've received Christ, awesome. That's what happened, you received Christ. So what happens? You walk in him, you pursue him. And Paul lays out this, this idea that it's not just a suggestion, it's not a recommendation, but this continued pursuit of Christ is a requirement. Raise your hand if you'd say that you're a born again believer, you submit your life to Christ. Yeah, well, hopefully most of us. Cool, some of you just don't wanna follow instructions. That's good. Um, can I tell you there's no statute of limitations on that walk in Christ. There's no, I mean, I hit the 10 year mark, I'm good, let me put it on cruise control, I'm solid. That every believer in here, 
No matter how long you've been following Christ, your next step is to continue to walk in him. Now, when we look at this word walk, um, we're not looking for the English definition where it's like put one foot in front of the other, right? Um, Paul was a, a, a very educated man and he's using this, this uh, Hebrew metaphor here. When it means to walk in something, it means that your life is conformed or your life is lived in such a way that mirrors what you're walking in. So before Christ, Ephesians 2 tells us that we are dead in our sin, sins and trespasses in which we once walked according to the ways of the world, that we walked, that our habits, our words, our thoughts, um, our desires were selfish and sinful. That's how we walked. We weren't neutral, we weren't just standing still, but we were walking according to the world. But now Paul is telling us, hey, just as you received Christ, so walk in him. So your words, your habits, your attitude, your actions, your thoughts, your beliefs, everything about you is walking in a way that is reflecting Christ, that is honoring Christ, that is trying to become more and more like Christ. In this first verse, Paul is laying out these, these ideas, these two theological ideas of justification and sanctification. And what that simply means, when we talk about being justified, we're talking about the moment that you express faith in Christ. The moment you say, yes, man, I need Jesus, you, resp- you believe, if you will, that God justifies you. What that means is he counts you as righteous. Martin Luther describes this as this wonderful exchange, that in that moment of saving faith, that God takes our sin and gives us Christ's righteousness. Man, talk about a lopsided deal for us. That he takes our sin and gives us Christ's righteousness, that there's this internal change that's happened, that we are immediately justified before God, but it doesn't stop there. That Paul says, just as you received Christ, there's this internal change, so walk in him. So what does that mean? It means this process of sanctification that you begin to live in a way that honors Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit um, convicting you and changing you. That each and every day you are dying to the sin in your life and you're conforming to the image of Christ. That it's this lifelong process. So if you will, we'll look at it like this, just kind of a simple, uh, short little breakdown. Say, um, man, say you're, you're addicted to gambling. It's ruined your life. Um, you're living in your car. You've lost your wife and your kids. You've sold everything. You've got nothing and it's completely ruined your life, and it's just this this crippling addiction. You express faith in Christ. Well, Christ counts you as righteous, but guess what? Now you walk in Christ. And so this addiction to gambling, um, you, you pray, you confess, novel idea. You find accountability. You seek God. You fast, right? And over time, God breaks this addiction in your life, and you continue to walk in Christ. You're closer to Christ than, than you were earlier, but you're still not perfect, and sometimes we get this idea, man, if I can just get past this one sin, I'll be good. This one sin is what's holding me back. But the closer you get to God, the more the sin in your life becomes apparent. And so this gambling addiction, which was kind of blinding to everything else, you get free of that. And then you realize, man, I'm, I'm a dishonest person. I was so caught up in getting free from, from this addiction that I didn't realize that I had this dishonesty. God changed me. God forgive me. God help me. And you become honest in your dealings. Not perfect, closer to Christ, right? These other sins are in the past. You're forgiven. And then you walk in Christ and you're like, whoa, whoa, what is this? This self-righteousness that's coming up. God, forgive me. God, change me. And it's this lifelong process that these smaller sins that we may have overlooked at one point in our life become very evident because the closer we get to God, the more we realize how ugly each and every sin is in light of a holy God. 
It's this process of sanctification, this lifelong process that my 86-year-old grandpa, one of the godliest men I know, been serving God for 56 years, still understands this. That until he, he closes his eyes and takes his final breath, that there's still this sanctification, this process of becoming more and more like Christ. Right, and this is what Paul is talking about. You've received Christ, you've been justified. Now walk in him. Now walk in him. And that's the call for each and every one of us in this building, right? That we, we were walking according to the world, but now we're alive in Christ. We've received Christ, so walk in him. Paul tells us in Colossians chapter one to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. He tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4, finally then, brothers, we ask you and urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. (gasps) Do so more and more? What? Romans 6, 4 tells us that we are to walk in the newness of life. Again, this isn't a call to some new believer. This is a call to every believer. Every believer's next step is to walk in Christ. Jesus himself tells us in Luke 9 that we, if he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross once and follow me. Wait, that's not, no, take up his cross daily and follow me. Man, so, so for those of you who think, man, I've, I've kind of hit the mark, I'm good. Man, take your spiritual life out of park and get to going. For those of you that just committed your life to Christ, walk in him. Walk in him. Some of us think we have this idea that we pass through the narrow gate and then we get to live however we want. And Paul's like, nope, not how it works. You enter through the narrow gate and you walk on the narrow path. That path is defined by the word of God. It's not defined by our emotions or our feelings. It's defined by the word of God. And so this suge- it's not a suggestion, this continued pursuit, but it's a requirement, it's a command that we continue to pursue Christ, okay, so what does that mean? Like, what's that look like? Okay, I don't know what that means. Part of it, we could talk about a lot of different things here, but one of the big things, one of the major things when we talk about continued pursuit of God is that we are to know the word of God. We're to know the word of God. I don't know the word of God for you. Justin doesn't know the word of God for you. The people you follow on social media don't know the word of God for you. You are called to know the word of God. Paul tells us the what? What's happened? You received Christ. Now what do you do? You walk in him. Well, how do I do that? He goes on to say that you are rooted in him, built up in him, established in him. I love how the book of Psalms starts out. Psalm chapter one, verses one through three. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. Did you catch that word walks there? Blessed is the man who walks not, who doesn't live according to the way of the world, who isn't trying to impress sinners, who isn't trying to mimic um, the, the world, but blessed is a man who delights himself in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. We have this idea of meditation that we empty our mind and we hum, right? The word meditate means that you fill yourself with the word of God, that you think about it constantly, that it's never a far thought from your mind, that it's in your body, it's in your soul, 
That is the man that we want to be. That is the person that we want to be. Why? Because what happens to that? That person, man, they're like a tree planted by a river whose roots are going down, soaking up this nutrient-dense soil, and they don't have dormant seasons, and they produce fruit in their season, and their leaves never wither. A healthy, vibrant, thriving tree that is rooted in the word of God. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. Continued pursuit of Christ means knowing God's word. Michael, it's, it's boring at times. It's difficult to understand. It's hard to get through. Can I tell you, it's all the inspired word of God. And if those are the excuses you're using, then pursuing Christ isn't a priority. Yeah, some of it is difficult to understand, but it's not impossible. Some of it isn't it's super exciting. It's not all epic battles and miracles and love stories but it's all still the word of God. And there's absolutely no substitute for daily intake of scripture, none. Man, I'm glad that you stopped listening to some of the music you have and you started listening to worship music. I'm glad you stopped watching some of the stuff you've wa- you're watching and you're changing your habits, that's awesome. I'm glad you're in church every Sunday, that's fantastic. All those are great things, but there's no substitute for daily intake of the word of God, none. And here's where we have to be careful because we can fall into this trap. James uh, 1 tells us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. Now, some of us take pride, man, I've got a a 700-day Bible app streak. That's awesome. I'm glad you're reading the word 700 days in a row. Some of you have your daily devotion, your daily quiet time. That's awesome. Man, I I do my, my daily reading every morning when I wake up. That's awesome. There is a possibility that you might be in the word and the word not be in you though. You can't say amen, you can say ouch, it's okay. Right, and here's, here's the trap that we have to be mindful of because we can hear stuff and it not register. Let me, let me pick on the men here for a second, the, the husbands here. Have you ever been like watching a game or like doing some work or something and your wife starts a conversation? She's telling you, hey, we need to go to the store, we need to get this, we need to get that, we need to do this. And you may even respond, yep, okay, I'll take care of that. But then like an hour later, you have like no recollection of that conversation. Am I the only one? Okay, good. All right. I was like, just making sure I wasn't telling on myself there. We do it. We know it's possible. It's possible to hear something and not register. It's possible for us. Man, I read Psalm chapter one today. Great. What'd you get out of it? Uh, It's good stuff. Good stuff. It's like when they were interviewing Trump and he's like, I love the Bible. He's like, what's your favorite verse? I love all of it. It's really just good, good stuff. I'm like, cool, cool. David writes in Psalm 119, with my whole heart, I seek you. Stop there, whole, no, no, okay, just make sure I didn't say part. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. What's kind of a good measuring stick on to see if we're in the word and the word's not in us? Man, do your daily devotion. Absolutely, I will never discourage anyone from doing that. But are you doing your daily devotion and going to be kind of sketchy, kind of unethical in your business dealings? And tell me you're in the word, the word's not in you. Are you doing your daily devotion and then you just go and gossip like it's no big deal? Are you doing your daily devotions and then you're losing your temper with your family and you complete, or you, can, you treat your, your coworkers like complete jerks? Man, I can keep going. 
And so many times we're like, check, check that off the box. And we haven't let the word of God soak into our lives. Like David writes in Psalm 119, man, I have hidden your word in my heart. Can I tell you that the devil knew scripture? Did he not? But he wasn't transformed by it. You can know scripture. I, can, I know a lot of scripture. You put me in a Bible trivia test against those kids, I'll slaughter them. Let's go. That doesn't mean anything. It just means I know some stuff. But is the word in me? Is it changing me? Right before we read our Bibles, we need to understand what we're doing. That we're, that we're engaging with the word of God. And if we read our Bibles with sincerity and reverence that it deserves, Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, excuse me, to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Man, you wanna walk in Christ? You gotta know the word of God. You've gotta know the word of God. And when you know the word of God, it's going to convict you. You say, God, open up, show me how I'm offending you before we read our word, before we read the Bible. Man, try that and see where God convicts you. See where God prunes and cuts out parts of your life that don't honor him. But you don't do it just by guessing. Excuse me, you don't do it just by figuring it out. That it's, it's knowing the word of God, hiding his word in your heart so that you don't sin against him. And this is what it means to walk in Christ. Walking in Christ and being rooted and built up in him, it allows us to grow in grace and knowledge. Knowing the word of God creates this firm foundation. It creates spiritual maturity in our lives and it, and it also creates a spirit-led discernment in our lives as well. Right, so we're walking in Christ, we're delighting ourselves in the word, the word's hidden in our heart, we're in the word, the word's in us, and now our lives are established not on ourselves, not on what we know, not on who we are, but our lives are established on the firm foundation that is Christ, that's unshakable, that's immovable. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter seven, where he says this, everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does, them, or, and does not do them, excuse me, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall. Excuse me, my son for Christmas decided to get me a runny nose. So thanks, Owen, appreciate that. Man, did you notice that the wise and foolish builder both have the capacity to hear the words? He said, but the man who hears them and does not do them is the foolish one. There's a big difference there. Again, James 1, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers as well, lest you deceive yourself. Man, the storms are gonna be, of life are gonna happen. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. And if we're just winging it and guessing, like, I don't know, I'll figure it out. When those problems happen, the Bible says that you're gonna be swept away in a great fall, that you're gonna be destroyed in a great way. But if you listen and do, 
Your life's built on the rock. It's built on a firm foundation. Everyone can hear. Only the wise hear and do. But here's the cool thing. It's not just built on a firm foundation and it doesn't just give you the ability to know right from wrong, right? If I hear some nonsense, that's obvious nonsense, it's pretty easy to call out. The difficult part is being able to call out right from almost right. This is where knowing the word of God is essential. And I could spend a lot of time here and I'm not gonna try to, to, to get too much on a soapbox here, but a lot of us, we're like, yeah, I kind of I know the Bible, but we don't know right from almost right. Paul's, when he's writing this letter to the Colossians, he's writing it with a purpose. When Aubrey and I were dating, um, I, I hit a patch of stupidity and I broke up with her uh, for about three months. And I very quickly realized that like, I need to fix this. However, she wasn't really responding to my text messages and she wasn't answering my phone calls. Oh boy. And so I go like old school. So I write her a letter and she gets that letter. And she says, she just texts me and says, hey, thanks for the letter, it meant a lot. And I was like, all right then, this one's getting through. And so I wrote her a letter every day for like two months. (laughs) She got the better end of the deal. I'm just saying like it's... (laughs) She's also not here to to defend herself. So... um, but in writing those letters, I had a purpose in writing those letters, right? That I wasn't just, I didn't write her a letter and be like, what you thinking about, right? Like I had a purpose, an agenda that I was trying to get across. Paul has a, an agenda, has a purpose of writing to the Colossians. And there was this heresy, this false teaching that was starting to creep in to the church. And Paul is writing this letter to root out and to correct this false teaching. And he doesn't just flippantly say in verse eight, see to it that you're not swayed by philosophies and these elemental teachings of the spirits of the world that are opposed to Christ. He doesn't just like, that sounds pretty. No, no, no. He knows that there is poor theology that's creeping into this church. And he's like, we got to fix it. He does it in Galatians too, like real quick in Galatians. He's like, I'm surprised at how quickly you're turning away from the truth. There's false teaching that's happened. He tells Timothy in his first letter to Timothy, hey, you need to be mindful and you need to call out false teaching when it happens. That Paul understands that when you are not rooted soundly in the word of God, you're not only not established on a firm foundation, but you're very easily swept away by like Ephesians 4 says, lies so clever they sound like the truth. So what happens when you don't have a knowledge of scripture? Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians in about 60 to 61 AD. He's in prison, he gets out, goes back to jail a second time about five or six years later. This time, there's no hope for escape. And he writes a second letter to Timothy. Seeing what has happened in the churches that have been established when people get away from the word of God, get away from scripture, seeing that people can be easily swayed. And he tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. Paul's saying, hey, you've received Christ. Now walk in him, root yourself in him, ground yourself in him, build yourself up in him. Then you won't be swayed by these, this nonsense. You'll be able to tell what's, what's right and what's almost right. Because if the word of God is not in you, if you have not hidden God's word in your heart, if you're not seeking him with every fiber of your being, it's gonna be real easy for you to be swept away with lies so clever They sound like the truth. Man, I've seen people repost and retweet and requote um, pastors 
of these mega churches, nothing wrong with the mega church. Um, but sometimes, sometimes just because someone has a massive following on social media or a massive church doesn't always equate to biblical accuracy. That there's a potential there that if you don't know the word of God, that people gain these followings because they tell people what they wanna hear and not what's true. I'm not saying every church is like that or every church that's big is like that, not by any stretch of the imagination, but there is the potential there. And if you don't know the word of God, you'll repost it and be like this or 100, right? Or whatever, as you, as you repost it. I'm like, man, it sounds good. It sounds inspiring. It sounds motivating, but that doesn't mean it's biblically accurate. There's a big difference there. That walking in Christ means knowing the word of God and knowing the word of God keeps you protected from being swayed away by what's almost right. Jesus gives us warning in Matthew 7, gives it a lot, beware of false teachers. Paul gives us warning here to the Colossians and Galatians, first and second Timothy, being aware of false teachers. Then Peter, ending his second letter, writes this last, last verse of Second Peter chapter three, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity, amen. He's saying, hey, you grow in spiritual maturity. That's what it means to grow in grace. You grow in spiritual maturity, but you also grow in knowledge. That spiritual maturity and knowledge of the word of God go hand in hand. You're to grow in both of these areas. Jesus, Paul, Peter, all remind us that no matter how long we've been following Christ, no matter how long we've, whether it was last week or, or last decade or whenever it was, that we are not to be content with where we are spiritually. Right? Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things, like his physical surrounding. That's not what we're talking about. No, no, no. Paul's saying, Peter's saying, Jesus saying, don't be content with where you are spiritually. That you are continue on a daily basis to walk in Christ. And that starts, you wanna look like Christ, you wanna be conformed to the image of Christ, it starts with the word of God, knowing the word of God, letting the word of God shape you and direct you, guide you. This book is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's how God reveals himself to us. Man, if the Bible is no big deal to us, then God's no big deal to you. Man, this is everyone's next step. This is our call, Foundations Church, is to continue, just as you've received Christ, continue to walk in him, to know him, to be in his word and continually be conformed into his image. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. God, thanking you for your word. God, thanking you for the call that we are to continually walk after you. God, I pray that you would help us. God, that you would strengthen us. God, that you would, would, would open up our ears to hear what you are saying. God, and open up our eyes to see where we're in our shortcomings. God, and would change us so that as we walk in you, as we follow after you, God, the sin in our life becomes less and less. God, and we become more and more like you, being a light to others. God, help us. We hope that you enjoyed this message. 
If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.